What a privilege to be in God's house on this Labor Day weekend. Labor Day changed for me several years ago. It was, it was a day that God opened my eyes to see that on Labor Day, God was giving birth to new things. We are experiencing new things right now. What an awesome God. The songs of the house today. Wow. Powerful. 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 Praise the Lord for a team who listen and obey what the Holy Spirit is speaking. Then they bring that freshness to you each and every week. I heard there's a couple more songs that were birthed just this last week. I can't wait to hear. I can't wait to get involved. I can't wait to, to join with the saints and the elders in worshiping around the throne of God. Hallelujah. He alone is worthy. Amen. Prepare the way. The high king of glory. Woo. It's good to be here. Amen. I don't know about you, but we keep a potato masher in the drawer just because sometimes it's fun not to be able to open that drawer. <laughs> this old fisherman would go out on the boat every morning, come back about an hour later with a cooler filled with fish. Game warden got suspicious as to how the old guy always caught so many fish in such a short time. So he invited himself fishing with the old guy. They went to the middle of the lake. The old guy pulls out a stick of dynamite, throws it overboard. Boom, fish start floating to the surface. The old guy starts scooping them up in his net. The game warden says, you can't do that. It's illegal. The old guy quietly lights another stick of dynamite, hands it to the game warden, and says, you're going to talk or you're going to fish? <laughs> Oh, boy. The chef on TV said, where there's fat, there's flavor. I know he's talking about food, but I still took it as a compliment. <laughs> flavor, baby. <laughs> and when anybody points it out, I'm going to go, flavor. It's, it's flavor. Okay. Well, as you know, if you don't know, the power place exists to help you encounter the Lord's presence daily. That's why we're here. That's foundational stuff. How many of you know that nobody's going to come to your house and say, great foundation? Wow. I'm really impressed with your foundation. Some friends invited us, Austin, Texas. We, they said, we're building our dream house. Come see it. We showed up at the property and... It was just a flat piece of cement. I'm like, wow, nice. But I really didn't appreciate it. We went back a year later to see what that foundation had become. That was the dream house that had white carpet in it. And our daughter Allie had disappeared for about a half hour. 
and found the ladies' foundation makeup. Dumped it on the white carpet. It was quite the day. But the stuff on top is just the outside shell. If the foundation doesn't stand, no matter what comes your way, then you're in trouble. Jesus said, build on solid rock. Build on a solid foundation. You'll be able to handle everything that's coming your way. You don't go to a foundation and and just look at it and say, this is amazing. This is an amazing foundation. But it's the foundation that will keep you in the times of storm. It's the foundation. It's the things you can't see once the house is built. It's the things that are underground. Pastor Landon and Allie are building their house right now. Underground. There's underground stuff going on. Nobody's going to come up later and say, wow, nice underground stuff. But that's the most important. What goes in on the foundation. You got to get your foundation right. How does that happen? Every single day encountering the Lord's presence. Hallelujah. If you missed last Sunday, you missed half your life. Get on YouTube, check it out. Pastor Isaiah brought a fiery word. Wow. I The mind of Christ, having a sound mind, fear of being away from the Lord, but being near him in his presence. God gives us supernatural mind, a supernatural wisdom that comes only from above. And then the prophetic word of the dam breaking. And last Sunday, I believe the dam broke. The water spilled on the notes the week before, but the dam broke that week. God, God did some things last Sunday that were unbelievable. And I, I, I'm just excited. Kingdom warriors were ignited with his passion. And so we're stewarding that word and watching the cleansing stream that's flowing, it's bringing life, it's bringing healing, it's transforming our city and beyond. Somebody needs to get excited about this. Come on. Honest word. Christy and I didn't fully understand, and I don't think Pastor Isaiah and Brittany fully understood, when God said, it's time to pass the reins. It's time to hand over to new leadership. We didn't fully understand it, but we're getting to live in the middle of it and watching what God's doing. And I can't be more excited. I am thrilled to see where God is taking this house under their leadership. Can you give a moment of honor to our pastor, Pastor Isaiah and Brittany? As they lead well. We're just beginning to see the fruit of all of our yes to the Lord. 
I believe we've got a front row seat to one of the greatest moves of God we've ever seen. And I want to be smack dab in the middle of it. Amen. You know, y'all are supposed to be gone on Labor Day weekend. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your heart that is drawn to the house of the Lord and what he's doing. My subject today is walking in the supernatural. Somebody say that with me. Walking in the supernatural. Our core value this week is unity. Jesus said a house divided against itself cannot stand. So we choose to lean into intentional conversations because hard conversations lead to health. I believe unity with the Heavenly Father and close proximity to Him daily is a key to walking in the supernatural and living a life in the miraculous. Unity with the Heavenly Father, close proximity, is the key. It's the key to walking in the supernatural. John chapter 5, verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years longer than some of you have been alive. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? I believe it's a question that that Jesus asked many of us. This has been 38 years now. Do you want to get well? I don't think it was a put down. I think it was a question that made the man look deep inside of himself and say, I don't know. This is kind of normal. I'm kind of used to this. I used to pray for a miracle of hearing in my ear. I had multiple healing evangelists and people who would pray for me and And nothing would ever happen. Today, I enjoy putting my good ear on the pillow. And the silence is amazing. I can sleep really well. So if you were to ask me today, do you want that ear to be healed? I would say, I'm not sure right now. Kind of enjoying that that quiet when I sleep. And I I think it's a question for all of us when we find ourselves in situations, do we want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied. Verse 7. I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And instead of giving an answer, he gives an excuse. you, you, You don't understand. You don't know my situation. You don't know how long I've been here. I mean, I, I, I yeah, I, I don't have anybody. 
While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. And then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. And so they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Verse 14, later Jesus found him. He's always searching you out. He's always looking for you. He's he's finding you. Jesus found him at the temple and said, See, you are well again. Stop sinning. Or something worse may happen to you. I've read that multiple times before. I kind of just brushed it off. Stop sinning or something else worse may happen to you. And I pondered it this this past week. And I said, Lord, what, what is that? Do you realize that your physical healing is only temporary? But your spiritual healing is eternal. When you get right with God, it doesn't matter what happens to your physical body. Because someday the fullness of your salvation will be revealed. And you'll have a new body. You'll have a new mind. You'll have the abilities you don't have down here. You won't have the pain you've got. Come on. You say, well, does God heal here and now? Absolutely he does. I've seen it happen. It's happened to me. But if I don't get healed, it doesn't mess me up because I know where I'm headed. The best thing that could happen to me is not my physical healing. The best thing that could happen to me is to find myself with Jesus, spiritually healthy, with everlasting life. Someone said to me the other day, how do we know that this isn't hell? I said, well, uh, Jesus said that. And I said, the reality is, this is the most heaven many people are ever going to know. For us as believers, this is the most hell we will ever know. Put that in perspective. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. I didn't say it. Jesus did. And that something worse is that you find yourself in an eternal life of damnation in hell with the devil and his angels. That's just not good. Look at your neighbor and say, that's not good. You don't want to go there. There are no parties in hell. There's no parties in hell. Weeping, gnashing of teeth. The smell of burning sulfur. I don't know if you remember science class. Burning sulfur. 
it's worse than the mushroom smell. The man went away, told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, when Jesus says very truly, it's a big deal. He's like, seriously. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. This is walking in the supernatural. This is walking in the miraculous. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. Again, I say unity with the Heavenly Father and close proximity to the Heavenly Father daily is a key to walking in the supernatural, living a life in the miraculous. The Father is always at work to this very day. Jesus said it. The Father is always working. We get to join with him in his work. That's our job, to stay so close to him that we get to join in him and do what he's doing. We just get, oh, that's what you're doing. I'll join you. Jesus met a Samaritan woman at a well. He has an encounter back and forth with her. And verse 25, we pick up the story, John chapter 4. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town, made their way toward him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Jesus clarifies, verse 34. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I believe that's what all of us are called to do, is to finish the work that he's doing. God is intervening in situations. He's waiting on you to just show up and finish the work. I'm just going to pray for you real quick. You mind if I pray for you? And all of a sudden, what God was doing is confirmed, and they're like, oh, that's God. That's not just a good feeling. That's not just a good moment. That's not 
God is intervening in my life. And so we finish his work. Don't you have a saying, verse 35? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Look at your neighbor and say, open your eyes, look at the fields. Say it louder to your other neighbor. Open your eyes, look at the fields. They're ripe. It's time for harvest. We've got to walk in the supernatural. We've got to be so near him. We just come along and finish his work. We make it so complicated, so difficult. It's not difficult. Oh, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, verse 36, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life. This is about eternal life putting stuff away. This is like I'm depositing in my eternal account. So that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. And I don't think we appreciate what everybody's done ahead of us. We showed up here almost 20 years ago and we started reaping a harvest. But it wasn't a harvest that we had planted. Somebody else was planting. Somebody else was tilling the ground. Somebody else had been fertilizing. Somebody else had been praying. Somebody else had been saying, God, we need a church in Kennett Square. We get to join in. We're reaping the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Your testimony is important. How you share the good news is so vital. You've got to tell your story. She went back to town, told her story, and they all came out and said, whoa, dude, seriously, I got to know. Because of the woman's testimony, they believed. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. Because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Your testimony sets up things for God to do in people's lives that you don't even know. Keep telling your story. Tell your neighbor, keep telling your story. Hmm. Keep telling the story of what God's doing in your life. Keep telling your story. Woo. When we spend time with the Lord daily or in close proximity to his voice, we're able to partner with him to see people's lives completely changed forever. That's what walking in the miraculous is all about, change lives. It's not so you get a ministry. Would you like my card? I'm prophetess Jamila. It's so people's lives can be changed. 
for the glory of God. Walking in the supernatural, living supernaturally natural, living naturally supernatural. What does that even look like? Well, it's carrying his presence into everyday normal life situations. That presence that you encounter on a daily basis is carrying his presence into everyday normal life situations. How do I do that? You keep walking with him. You keep trusting him. Keep trusting his nudge. You keep obeying his still small voice. You keep listening to him. You keep talking to him, open communication back and forth. You stay nudgeable, sensitive to his nudge, sensitive to his touch, sensitive to his whisper. And it's no, there's no need to ask if it's him. You know his voice because of familiarity. You've spent so much time with him in his presence that you recognize his every move. It's not mystical. It's not magical. It's not somebody has it and some don't. Everybody can have this miraculous walking in the spirit. You have that available to you. It's being so aware of his presence that you're able to sense what he's doing and partner with him to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You've been in his presence so much that you don't have to question. It's being spiritually aware. If I don't look at my caller ID and I answer my phone, and it's my wife, I don't have to say, who is this? Is this a spam call? No. I've been hanging out with her for 43 years. We've communicated to the point where you can't tell me that that's not Christy. I know. I know it's her because I know her voice. Her voice is familiar to me. I didn't have to question his nudge to start this church. I knew it was God. I didn't have to question his directive to name this church the power place. When everyone told me, you can't name that church the power place, nobody will come. I said, well, if they come or not, I know what God told me. And I heard his voice saying, the power place. I didn't give up when no one would rent a space to meet because I knew we had a direct mandate from God. With each closed door, we looked for an open door because we knew that he wanted a presence-driven church in Kenneth Square. And I'll be honest with you, we didn't have language for that back then, but we knew that people needed to have an encounter with his powerful presence that would change everything. While we were still traveling as a family, we went to meet with Pastor Herbert Cooper, who had planted an amazing church in Oklahoma City, the People's Church. And by the way, they ended up sewing into this house $500 a month for several years. None of us understand 
the, the breadth and the depth of what God wanted to do here. And so he laid it on people's hearts all around America to help us plant a church here. I'm telling you, we're, we're, we're joining with others. We're enjoying the harvest others have planted in this house. Herbert looked at me and he said, you need a team. So you can't go alone. I said, my family's my team. He said, no, 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 you need a team. I said, well, I can't pay anybody because I'm not getting paid myself. So how am I supposed to ask somebody to come work for free? He said, that's God's problem. You pray about it and watch what he'll do. I kind of walked away thinking, Lord, I don't know what that means, but I'm asking you, send us a team. The very next day, the very next day, I get a phone call from Nick Palomo in Iowa. Nick was a little boy in my, my youth group when we left Davenport, Iowa. He played saxophone in our orchestra. And he said, this is Nick. Do you remember me? I said, Nick, of course I remember you. I said, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing great. He said, I was, I was in the youth room. I was playing on the keys. And God said, go work with Greg and Christy. He said, what are you doing? I said, well, we're getting ready to plant a church just outside of Philadelphia. He said, well, I'm in. I said, Nick, I can't pay you. He said, I don't need to be paid. So I'm a website designer. I'm a graphic designer. I can work from anywhere in the world. Just give me some internet. I'm good. And God brought us, come on. Now this is, this is 20 years ago. God brought us a website designer. He said, you need a website. I said, I don't know what a website is. I didn't have internet. I didn't have, uh, I didn't have a computer. I had no computer, okay? 20 years ago, I had no computer. Don't judge me. He was a graphic designer. He had accounting skills. He was a musician extraordinaire. God bless us with the best. And this is how you walk in the supernatural. You just keep walking. Keep trusting. Keep listening. Keep obeying his nudges. Unified with his spirit. How many miracles have we seen along the way these past 19 years? I'm just going to tell you too many to count. Let me peel back the layers and give you just a little insight. Some of you know some of these stories, but let me share just a few of them. Our family bought a house and moved here by faith before there ever was a church. No income, no church. We got a loan because we... Well, because, just because. <laughs> they didn't do enough checking back then. I'm just telling you. They, that, it would be different today, but back then, 
yeah, we're good. Uh-huh. And, and we moved here by faith, and God blessed us with a miracle house. We came the week of, of Thanksgiving because we we're going to start the church in April of the next year. I had three days because we were traveling on the road. I had, I had meetings to get to. And so we had three-day break during the week of Thanksgiving to find a house. And the realtor took us to several houses the first day, and we said, absolutely not. She said, you want to be in a certain square mile radius of Kenneth Square? I said, yes. She said, there's nothing. We have 10 houses. And they were all awful. I mean, I, I wouldn't. One of them we drove up to, there was caution tape on the, I'm like, seriously? Don't even, no, we're not, not doing that. Um, and, and so on the third day, we finally found a house that had been saved just for us. We found out later that it, it was finished, being built, the same month that we said yes to planting a church. Not knowing where we would plant, just, yes, Lord, we'll do what you ask us to do. That was the month that house was finished, and the Lord held it for us. There were four buyers that tried to buy it, and every time it fell through, until the week that we showed up. And that week, the development decided that this is the last house in the development. We want to finish all the roadways, so let's drop the price. So they dropped the price $25,000 to get rid of it quickly. And we just happened to show up at the same time, that happened. Come on, don't tell me there's no God. No one had ever lived in it before us. God held it for us. I'm here to tell you, just keep walking, keep trusting, keep believing, keep praying, keep listening, keep obeying his nudge. Stay unified with him. After we bought our house, my Aunt Shirley called me and she said, Uncle Dave and I have a car we'd like to give you. She said, I know you don't have a car. You have a Freightliner truck and a camper. So you can't drive the Freightliner truck everywhere. I said, you're right. She said, God told us to give you our 1987 black Mercedes Benz. So I flew out to California handed me the keys to the Mercedes. I drove back to Pennsylvania. It looked like the mob limo, I'm telling you. It, it was huge. It was long. And, and we used that, that car to haul all the equipment back and forth from our house to the red clay room, from our house to the red clay room, red clay room back to our house. And before it, it broke down, but I'm going to tell you, God takes care of every detail of your life miraculously as you walk with him. During those months, I also stopped and saw another pastor, Tim Bowman, who pastors Calvary Church of the Quad Cities. And 
their church over the years has invested thousands of dollars in this house because they believed in the vision that God gave us. Yeah. I don't, I don't tell you these things to, I just want you to know we're joining with others who have planted and fertilized and believed and prayed for a house filled with his presence in Kenneth Square, Pennsylvania. Tim Bowman looked at me and he said, you need to know this. People are just waiting for you to show up. And something settled in my spirit. And I would say to you, somebody's just waiting for you to show up and fulfill your calling. God had gone before us, prepared the way for our arrival. And yes, people were waiting for us to show up. That, when, I, when I think of that, I think of the Grandizio family. Bill and Debbie and their family, their kids. They were just, they didn't know it, but they were just waiting for us to show up. And when we showed up, they're like, oh, yeah, that's, we're in. Brandon Guevara. Where you at, Brandon? You left. You're hiding behind the computer still. First Sunday, Brandon, in our house. He was just waiting for us to show up. And his family came, Becky and Jen and, and, and all the kids. All the kids. And Tessa Bird who is now Tessa Guevara. So many, I, I, I can't name everyone. I just, I just know that there were those just waiting for us to show up. They didn't even know it. They were waiting on our yes from the Lord for us to simply step out and walk in the miraculous. I believe there are souls hanging in the balance waiting for you to show up and fulfill your God-given calling. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to show up. Tell yourself, it's time to show up. So what do you do? You keep walking. You keep trusting. You keep listening. You keep obeying his nudge. You stay unified with his spirit. Walking in the supernatural. We drove around Kennett Square. We walked the streets praying, asking God for a miracle, and asking everyone if they would rent us out a, a place here in town to start a church. Every answer was no, no, we don't want a church. Go away. No, no church. No more churches. We have too many churches in this town. Don't want a church here. Finally, about maybe two or three weeks before we were to start on Easter 2004, the Red Clay Room finally said, we'll give you three consecutive Sundays. That's it. Because we don't know you. 
and we don't know what you're going to do. And we got something happening on the fourth Sunday. So on the fourth Sunday, we went to Power in the Park, Anson B. Nixon Park. Yeah, baby. We set up our sound system. We blasted worship music everywhere. God came down. Then we're back in the red clay room on the fifth Sunday because by the third Sunday, they said, we like you guys. Come on back. We'll give you every Sunday. Hallelujah. And then we ran out of money. Because it was expensive. And we're in our prayer time, we're just saying, God, you got to do something. We don't know what to do. And the man came to me from the red clay room and he said, so I got a question to ask. He said, would it be okay if we cut your rent in half? I said, let me pray about it. Yes, that would be okay. That would be better than okay. And God used them to bless us. Um, They gave us the salmon-colored sling chairs for pennies on the dollar. I don't know if you remember those. They were amazing. You sit in them and just kind of, oh, yeah. And then the American Legion, who had told us no on having a church there, asked Nick Palomo, who was working for their accountant, they said, would you be interested in renting the downstairs basement, the old karate studio? And I got to tell you, it was a mess. It was in great disrepair. We walked in there and we saw with, with God eyes, and we said, this can become a house of worship. This can become a place where his presence is stewarded well. So we renovated it. We, you, some of you were there, you, you know. And, and God began to move in that area. And we put our shoulders to the wheel. We got to work. And I'll tell you, nothing, nothing good comes without hard work and struggle. We're able to appreciate everything that the Lord has blessed us with, and we steward it well because we remember where we've come from and how good God has been to us. You just keep walking. Keep walking in the supernatural. Keep walking in the miraculous. So we renovated the American Legion basement, had our first service there February 13th, 2005. Things began to explode. Our youth ministry began to reach the kids on the streets because of outreach connections at the Mushroom Festival. God placed us strategically in the middle of the Mushroom Festival. And we just took advantage of that. And all of a sudden, we had hundreds of kids coming to our youth ministry every week. Hungry. They didn't know why they were drawn there. They were just hungry. See, God's presence makes you hungry for more of him. And then came the witches and the warlocks who were fasting against us. And there was a witch in Kennet who's no longer there, by the way. They were praying us out, and they went somewhere. I don't know. Because God will not be mocked. God is not afraid of any witch or warlock. And we had constant borough meetings over codes and zoning and 
It, it got to be frustrating, and then we got a cease and desist order. And in the middle of all of that, there were multiple miracles of protection and provision. And God came down, and lives were being changed and touched by the power of Jesus. But we were being bothered on, on every level as we continued to, to establish a presence-driven church in Kenneth Square. And the Lord gave me a scripture, 1 Chronicles 17, verse 9. And I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning. Come on, somebody. And through some divine connections, we found out about this space. God said, I'll provide a place for my people. I'll plant them so that they have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. No one will oppress them anymore. We came to this building, the one we're in right now. And as we toured this space, the owner said, I don't want a church here. I've only heard bad things about churches. They're messy. They leave papers everywhere. They don't pay their rent. Blah, 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 blah. And I've been hurt by the church. I began to know his story. The only problem was that when Christy and I walked in this space, God said, this is yours. We both knew it in our spirit. Didn't have to ask, God, is that you? No, we know his voice. We heard him clearly. So this is how you walk in the supernatural. The owner said, I, I need this amount of money every month. I said, yeah, about that. Uh, we can't really do that yet, but someday we will. It was very hard, very rigid, and he said, no, this is what I need. I said, well, we're going to pray about that, but this is our space. A few weeks later, he came and said, okay, all right, all right, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to start small, we're going to grow. I said, exactly, that's what we're going to do. We're going to start small, we're going to grow. And, and God has blessed us and blessed him. And pray for him. God's working in his life. Just pray for him. Unity. Being in close proximity. Unity with the Father. This is how you walk in the supernatural. The Lord gave me another scripture when Isaac was dealing with disputes over wells for his flocks. Genesis chapter 26, verse 22. Abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time, there was no dispute over it. So Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space. For he said, at last... The Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. Let me just sit there for a second. Some of you need to move on.
and dig another well. You need to move on and dig another well. Because God has a place for you where there will no no longer be any disputes. Come on. He's working on your behalf. And he wants to create enough space for you to prosper in the land he's planted you in. I, I wrote that scripture on the wall before we painted. Right over here. As a declaration of the Lord's supernatural faithfulness to bring us into this open space where we could prosper. I wrote it in ink. People weren't happy about that. But it's all right. We painted over it. It went away. Even if it bled through, it's okay. Rehoboth. Open space. At last, the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. Am I boring you today? I'm, I'm working my way to the end. Give me a few more minutes. May 2nd, 2010, we had our first service in this space. And I'll just tell you, we have prospered and have not been disturbed. According to the word of the Lord. God wants to give you scripture in your time with him. In your daily encounters. So that you can hang your hat on those moments. So that you have something substantial to say, this is what God said I'm standing on it. I'm not giving up. For some of you, you're still praying for your family to get saved. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The jailer and his entire family were saved. God has a promise for you. The Lord has blessed us in this place and he planted us here. A few years later, we were able to acquire the front kids' space next door. We knocked a hole in the wall and combined the two spaces up front. Some of you were part of that. Thank you for your investment. Then we began to pray for more space. We felt the Lord nudging us to build a gymnasium. And the pandemic hit. And we built a gym. Because we decided we're going to do what God asked us to do, we're going to walk in the supernatural. We're not going to wait for things to get better. We're going to walk and keep listening and obeying his nudge. And now we're on the cusp of expanding into a new sanctuary space so that we can continue to prosper and reach more people with his powerful presence. And our children and our youth can explode once again in this space. Hallelujah. How? Yes. And in this year of supernatural suddenlies, God is doing things quickly on our behalf. Chris Valentin says, the truth is, God often takes a long time to act suddenly. As a matter of fact, many of the most amazing instant miracles I've witnessed have been predicated by years of prayer and persistent faithfulness. 
God takes a long time to act suddenly. In our book. We're thinking, man, this is way too, way too long, way too long. And God's like, working. Hang on. Working out the details. Don't get frustrated. Get your pants in a, in a wad. Come on, let's go. Hang on. I'm working on your behalf. And then suddenly, he shows up. But it's predicated by years of prayer and persistent faithfulness. So we just keep walking, faithfully praying, carrying his presence into normalized situations. Watch him supernaturally work on our behalf. We just keep walking with him. We keep trusting him, his nudge. Keep obeying his voice, his still small voice. We keep listening to him. We keep talking to him. We keep staying nudgeable, sensitive to his leading, to his nudging, to his touch, to his whisper. And there's no need to ask if it's him. We know him. We know his voice because we've been in his presence so long that we recognize his every move. It's not mystical. It's not magical. It's being so aware of his presence. You're able to sense what he's doing and partner with him to see his kingdom come. As I was spending some time in his word with the Lord in my daily encounters, he brought me to Isaiah chapter 50. Verse number four says, the sovereign Lord has taught me what to say. The sovereign Lord has taught me what to say. So that there's a reason why he taught me what to say. It's so that I can strengthen the weary. You have a calling to strengthen the weary. You have a calling to speak what God has spoken to you into somebody else. Every morning. Somebody say every morning. Every morning. Every morning. Every morning. He makes me eager to hear what he is going to teach me. Now, some of you, you understand that. And you're like, yeah, absolutely. It gets me out of bed. And I'm out oh, every morning. Some of you are like, huh? Whoa, really? Every, every, every morning? Yeah, you can have that experience with God every morning. It's foundation. Because I'm here to tell you, storms are coming. Their storms are coming. Storms are going to beat against your house. And, but if you got the foundation, every day, daily encountering his presence in his word. The sovereign Lord has taught me what to say so that I can strengthen the weary. Every morning he makes me eager to hear what he is going to teach me. The Lord has given me understanding, and I have not rebelled or turned away from him. That's a key. Don't rebel. Don't turn away from him. Stay near close proximity. That's how you walk in the supernatural. When it was time to build the pandemic gym, there was only one person we looked to, and it was Matt Doughton. So Matt, what do you think? He said, I'm in. 
He said, I got nothing going on right now in my life. But he had all kinds of things going on, but there were delays, there were hangups, there were little things that just couldn't quite get in gear. He said, I have a feeling that after we're done with this gym, it's just going to happen suddenly. And it did. And now he's swamped with more work than he can handle some days. And he said yes to the next space because he knows he knows the blessing that's on the other side of his obedience. As soon as you were done building that pandemic gym, the permits came through. What an awesome God. Isaiah chapter 50. Again, my daily encounters. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 10. All of you that honor the Lord and obey the words of his servant... The path you walk may be dark indeed, but trust in the Lord. Rely on your God. Oh, you may be walking through something right now. You're like, I don't understand. It doesn't look like God's favor is on me. Trust in your God. Rely on him. Trust in the Lord. Isaiah 55, verse 8. My thoughts, says the Lord. Not like yours. My ways are different from yours. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are my ways and thoughts above yours. My word is like the snow and the rain that came down from heaven to water the earth. They make the crops grow and provide seed for planting and food to eat. So also will be the word that I speak. It will not fail to do what I plan for it. It will do everything I send it to do. We've been in his presence so much that we don't have to question if it's him. So we step out in faith. We keep walking. We keep trusting. We keep relying on our God. We realize his ways, his thoughts are so much higher than ours. So we don't get frustrated. We don't get mad at him. We know he's working in our behalf. He's sending his word into our lives to accomplish everything that we need. He's making the crops of our lives grow, and he's providing seed for planting and to eat. His word will not fail to accomplish what he sent it for. It will do everything he sent it to do. Last Sunday, Christy was putting on her makeup, getting ready for church early in the morning. The Lord spoke to her and gave her a word for someone, and it had to do with feathers so she immediately called someone in the church to see if they could bring some chicken feathers to church. As they were gathering the feathers, the son needed another shirt, and the dad went to find the shirt, and it just so happened that there was a peacock feather there. The Lord nudged him and said, Christy needs this feather too. They showed up with the chicken feathers, but the peacock feather also, and it threw her for a curve. She's like, God, I don't, I don't even know what you're doing here. I don't know what this is about. But as she was sharing with the people what the Lord had said and she presented the feathers, it just so happened that each feather had meaning. 
Only God. Only God can nudge each and every individual and say, here, do this, do this, obey me here, obey me here. And everything comes together, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's God. He's the only one that knows how all this fits together. This is what it looks like to walk in the supernatural. Just keep walking, faithfully pray, carrying his presence into normalized situations. Watch him supernaturally work in our behalf. I've also noticed that you don't really need the miraculous if everything's perfect in your life. You don't need to trust him if you have everything on a silver platter. Could it be that your current mess is the perfect opportunity for God to show up and show off? Could it be he may just be waiting to see if you want to get well? He may be waiting for you to recognize your need of him and come into unity with him. Quickly, 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 1. One day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. He did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in the Migron. With him were about 600 men. They were, being, they were hunkering down because of the enemy that was taunting them. Verse 3, among whom was Ahijah who was wearing an ephod. He was the son of Ichabod's brother, Ahitub, son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozes and the other Sena. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash, the other to the south toward Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outposts of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Come, let's move by faith. Perhaps the Lord. Let's go. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Let's, let's do something. Let's walk and see if God will show up in our walking. Some of you are sitting, waiting on God to show up, and he's like, just start walking. I'll be there. You get moving. Get up. Pick up your mat. Walk. Oh, that's good. Movement is faith in action. Some of you need to just start moving. You need to get moving. Get off your tail and start moving. And then listen to his still small voice. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. It doesn't take everybody. It just takes somebody moving. Jonathan understood this. Verse 7. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. 
And I'm here to tell you today, Pastor Isaiah and Brittany need some armor bearers. We're getting ready to move. We're going places we've never been before. And they need some people to say, go ahead. We're with you, heart and soul. Do everything you got in your mind. We're in. Doesn't matter what you say, we're going with you. Come on. Jonathan said, come on then. We will cross over toward them. Let them see us. That's such a great plan. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. Movement. I'm heading towards something. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Hey, we're over here. Look, said the Philistines. The Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, climb up after me. The Lord's given them into the hand of Israel. Let's go. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet. And his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area about a half an acre. But notice what happened next. Verse 15. Then panic struck the whole army. Those in the camp and field and those in the outposts and raiding parties. And the ground shook. It was a panic sent by. I have a mental image in my mind of God looking over heaven's balcony going, oh, man, those guys are in trouble. All right, angels, get, yeah, go, go, go. And the ground shook and everybody's freaking out and the, the enemy's killing each other because of the, the panic sent by God. My kids are moving and they need my help. Some of you need to realize if you'll just move, you'll get heaven's attention. You've been sitting and praying long enough. Notice what happened here. Panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and field, those in the outposts and raiding parties. The ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. Saul, on the other hand, his lookouts at Gibeah and Benjamin saw that the army melting away in all directions. Saul said to the men who were with him, muster the forces, see who's left us. When they did, it was Jonathan and his armor bearer who were not there. Saul said to Ahijah, bring the ark of God. At that time, it was with the Israelites. While Saul was talking to the priests, the tumult in the Philistine camp increased more and more. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. There's a time to act and there's a time to pray. The time for prayer was already over. They were already acting. It's time to move. And Saul and his, all his men assembled and went to the battle. They found the Philistines in total confusion, striking each other with their swords. Those Hebrews who had previously been with the Philistines and had gone up with them to their camp went over to the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. When all the Israelites who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were on the run, they joined the battle in hot pursuit. I'm telling you, somebody's just waiting for you to show up. The entire army of Israel was waiting for Jonathan and his armor bearer to show up and to move. And when they did, 
Something miraculous happened. Somebody needs to hear this today. Verse 23. So on that day, the Lord saved Israel. And the battle was over. Oh, no. And the battle moved on to Beth-Avon. Are you ever going to not have a battle? Absolutely not. Not as long as you're down here. And when you're his presence, there's no more battles. While you're here, there's always going to be a battle to face. And you got to keep moving, walking in the miraculous, saying, let's go. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Let's go. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. That's what I hear Pastor Isaiah saying. Let's go. Perhaps the Lord will act. Let's go. Let's take that another space. Let, let's go. Let's move. He's watching miracles happen. We get to be a part of it. Let's go. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. And we all say, we're in. I'm in. I'm with your heart and soul. Do whatever you have in your mind to do. Someone's just waiting for you to show up. Let's go. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving. Everybody comes, great. Only a few show up, great. It's God that does the miraculous. Angels get down there and help them. There we go. Keep walking in unity with him. Keep taking bold steps of faith. Keep spending so much time with him in his presence that you don't have to ask if it's him. Unify with his Holy Spirit. Listen, obey, follow his nudge. Keep walking in the supernatural. Amen. Stand with me, please. I love that new song we sang today for the first time. We prepare the way for the king enthroned upon our praise. God's using this house to prepare a way in this area for his presence. Isaiah 50 verse 4, the sovereign Lord has taught me what to say so that I can strengthen the weary. Every morning he makes me eager to hear what he's going to teach me. The Lord has given me understanding. I have not rebelled or turned away from him. Verse 10, all of you that honor the Lord and obey the words of his servant, the path you walk may be dark indeed, but trust in the Lord. Rely on your God. Isaiah 55, 8, my thoughts, says the Lord, are not like yours. My ways are different from yours. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so high are my ways and thoughts above yours. My word is like the snow and the rain that come down from the sky to water the earth. They make the crops grow. 
and provides seed for planting and food to eat, so also will be the word that I speak. It will not fail to do what I plan for it. It will do everything I send it to do. Keep trusting. Close yourself in with him right now. Shut your eyes. He's working on your behalf. He's sending his word into your life to accomplish everything you need. He's making the crops of our lives grow and he's providing seed for planting and to eat. His word will not fail to accomplish what he sent it for. It will do everything he sent it to do. Keep walking in the supernatural. Bring every valley up. Bring every mountain down. Get things level in your life. Come on, lift your hands to him this morning.